Oh, praise the Lord. You can hear me all right, can't you? Yeah, sometimes that little wire jumps out of that slot. I don't know. I don't do it. <laughs> the devil's slick, ain't he? Praise God. I'm glad y'all are here tonight. In the time that we have, I'm going to talk to you about the power of hope. Before we get started, let me pray. Father, in Jesus' name, this time is yours. We're here to serve you. Holy Spirit, take the words that I speak your words, and apply them to the heart of those that hear that they will be delivered, that they will come to the truth, and if they don't know you, Lord, that they will come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Prayer and fasting coming up. I don't have a hard time with fasting. I just don't eat the stuff I don't like. <laughs> hey, hey, don't make it hard on yourself. I'm just messing with you. People listen to that and they think, well, that you not work pretty good. No, it don't work like that. <laughs> You know, there was a guy waiting in line at the pearly gates, ready to get in, waiting on his turn. He's walking up. St. Peter's at the gate. He comes up, and he walks up there, and St. Peter says, well, man, did you have, what have you done good for Jesus? He said, oh, you just can't believe it. He said, I was driving down the street, and I looked over there, and there was this big hell's angel biker over there, and he was just beating this little guy to the ground. I stopped my car. I jumped on. I ran up there, and I kicked him in the shin. I hit him in the stomach. I poked him in the eyes, and just for the fun of it, I went over and kicked over his old motorcycle. He said, son, when did you do that? About two minutes ago. <laughs> You know what? At least he went to heaven. He did a good thing and he had hope. Nice way to tie into that, right? Yeah, he had hope. And I'm going to tell you something. The hope that I'm going to talk to you about tonight is God's hope. I'm not talking about natural hope. You know, natural hope is kind of, you know, very feeble. And we say it like this. Well, well I hope things work out for you. <laughs> There's no security. There's no confidence in that. Well, you know, hopefully we can get this done. Well, that's not God's hope. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, uh, insecurity in that. There's no, 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 nothing that you can sink your teeth into. I know that Leela at times jumps out of perfectly good, good airplanes and does tandem skydiving, right? Can you imagine getting up there? You get up to the door, you get on that strut, and you're ready to go, and the guy that you're jumping with, he says, I hope we make it to the ground okay. <laughs> I say, yeah, you make it, I'm staying. You know, listen, that's natural hope. That's not hope, that's wishing. And people wish all the time. But God's hope is different from that. You have confidence when you have his hope. And the only way you can have his hope is to be born again, to be a new creation in Christ Jesus where everything that comes into your being is God and what comes into your is faith. And you'll find out that faith and hope go together along with love. Those three abide. Hope is of God, not something that you can come up with. Same way with peace. Only his peace can you operate with. Hope, let me give you a definition of hope. Hope is the confident expectation of the goodness of God. It is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Now, this is not in your notes, but remember in Psalm 27, David said this. He said, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In the, in the East Texas translation, it would be like this. I'd have fell apart like a $2 suitcase <laughs> if I had not believed to see the goodness of God and of the living. See, I put it there where you understand it. But here's the deal. In other words, I would have fainted. I'd had no strength. I couldn't have made it. I just would have keeled over had I not believed 
to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In other words, he, he was expressing in that his faith. He was expressing the confidence in that. And so, and if you study anything that David said in the Psalms, he was always confident of God's goodness. Now look at Hebrews 11 and 1. Everybody knows this scripture has to do with faith. Hebrews 11 and 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now, that in the back of your mind, because I'm going to show you something a little further down where this will really bring it home to you. So hope, the one thing I want, I want to, I've got three points I want to make concerning hope, or the power of hope. And in these three things, they have to do a lot of what we're dealing with in the end times. Because there's a lot of people very unsettled. A lot of Christians who are unsettled about the end times. And, uh, you know, it's, a lot of it's because of misinformation. A lot of it's because of their lack of understanding of the word. A lot of it because they, they seem to listen to the world more than they listen to the word. But the first thing I want to show you is, is that hope assures us of eternal life and inheritance. Eternal life inheritance. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. These scriptures are a little bit lengthy. I tried to shorten them up a little bit, and the Holy Spirit says, no, keep them all together. And I've learned a long time ago, when the Holy Spirit says, leave them together, you leave them together. Kind of like my wife. She says, you do that, I do it. <laughs> After 53 years of marriage. I told her the other day, we just celebrated our 53rd wedding anniversary. She said, I said, you want to go 53 more? And she just kind of walked off. I, you know, I just assumed that she was agreeing with me and she'd start crying if you're talking about it. <laughs> uh, praise God. All right, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope, a new and living way. He's talking about the new birth. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God. So it's a new and living way through... through uh, again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus had not resurrected, we would have no hope. We'd have none. You know, even Paul said there was a time when we, as we were not Jews, and we were not, we were strangers to the covenants of promise. We were without God and we had no hope. The most destitute person in this earth is a person without hope. I'm not, I'm talking about God's hope. You can sit around and wish all you want to. You can have all you want to, but the arm of flesh will fail you. That, 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 that thinking, that's that mindset, somewhere down in your life, it will fail. That's why, and we mentioned this before, that's why you see people seemingly so successful, but they wind up taking their lives because they have, do not have the hope of God. They only have the hope that the world presents to them, and it will fail you. I know people that has failed through the years. I have a friend right now, and I try to talk to him about the Lord, and he won't have it. He clings to what, it, what happened to him when he was a baby, and I've told him, I said, it's just not going to work that way. The only one you're going to, this is going to work is just through Jesus, are you going to make it to heaven? But he just won't have it. It really hurts my heart when I hear people say that because I know what's await for, awaiting for them according to the word of God. So our hope is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And you'll find out that Jesus 
is the heir of all things according to the big book of Hebrews. He's the heir of all things or joint heirs with him and heirs of God. You know, think about that. He's the heir of all things and we're joint heirs with him. This is reserved for us. Not only can we experience it now, but it's reserved in heaven for us then. One day you will leave this earth and if you're a believer, you will go to heaven and all that God has prepared, prepared for us, we are heirs of it. You ought to meditate that sometime and think about heaven. If I talk to each one of you, you have your idea of what it might be. You've heard of people that have you know, supposedly died and gone to heaven and come back. I don't know about that. All I know is I can't refute what they said because I haven't gone there myself yet. One day I will, praise God. And then we'll see how, it all, how all that works out. But he said, look, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to reveal in the last time. I believe we are living in a part of that last time. If you'll look and see of all the things that are happening in the world on a regular basis now having to do with Israel, which is the fig tree mentioned in the Bible, if you keep your eye on the fig tree, watch what's happening in Israel, you'll get a pretty good idea of how close we are. Most of the eschatologists, those who study the end times, will agree that the church will be raptured, taken out of here right at the beginning of World War III or right after the start of it. Well, we're not, we're not far off of that. It can happen at any time. But my focus is not on that. My focus is on where we are now, serving God, trusting God, hoping in God, and, and speaking as ambassadors for Christ, bringing the message of hope to people around us. Praise God. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have all the spiritual blessings that we have been blessed with. I don't try to get God to bless me any more than I'm blessed with already because I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. There is no such thing as special spiritual blessings. You'll hear, see people sometimes on television or they'll write articles. There's a special blessing in that. There's a special blessing in that. No, there's not. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing already in Christ Jesus. According as he hath chosen us in him, God has chosen us in Jesus before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before ever Genesis 1, I told you that back when I taught on love, before Genesis 1, God created, God purposed us, he chose us in Jesus through his omniscience, his ability to look down through the ages and know those who would come to him. He chose us to live before him in holiness and without blame and in his love having predestinated, predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Think about it. Before you were ever in this earth, before there was ever anybody in this earth, God had already purposed by his faith, by his faith, by his hope, and by the, and all that he was purposing, he did it to us before we ever got here. That's an amazing thing to think about. And you ought to meditate that. And it ought to give you great, great uh, uh, confidence in the hope that you have and in the salvation that you have in the Lord Jesus. 
He did this to the adoption of children by Christ, uh, Jesus Christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. That means highly favored in the beloved. You are already, even before you were created, man was created. He made us highly accepted in Jesus. God calls things that are not as though they were. He calls the end from the beginning. He called our lives, but he called our lives before we ever had our lives in this earth. That's a wonderful thing to know. You can have confidence in that. And, and, it's a, and, it's a, and it's really a, one of those things that if you think about it, and I've told people this all the time, you know in your spirit you don't have a belly button. You know that? Your spirit, you don't have a belly button. In the flesh, you got an innie or an outie, right? <laughs> According to how much I eat is how much I'm outie. But in the spirit, you don't have a belly button. Anybody figure that out? I've said that before, and people say, man, I don't know about that. You don't have a belly button because you're created in Christ Jesus. You're one that's never been before. You never had a connection to your mother like you did in the, in the flesh. You had an umbilical cord. That's why you got that little belly button right there. But in the spirit, God created you. He purposed that you would live before him in righteousness and holiness, that you would be without blame before him. All of that has to do with the gift of life through Jesus Christ and the gift of righteousness and the justification that's in that righteousness and all of the grace that he's given to you as a gift. Man, you ought to have great confidence in that. You ought to have great confidence that that's how God sees you all the days of your life. He sees you as that new creation in Jesus. Does that kind of build up your hope a little bit? Does that give you a little more confidence in the hope that you have that belongs to the Lord? Look at number two. Hope keeps us looking for the appearing of Jesus and resurrection of the dead. Boy, it does me. 1 Thessalonians 4, 4 through 18 for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that which we are alive, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. In other words, they're going to get to go too. And whether they go first or we go first, it doesn't make any difference, but it's only right those people whose bodies have laid in the graves all of these centuries, those that have believed into the Lord, to be absent to be from the bodies to be present with the Lord, they've been present with the Lord, but their bodies have been asleep. And they're gonna come up first and then look what happens. We've got from sleep, for the Lord himself will shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And I can tell you through the centuries, through the ages, those who have lost loved ones in battles came into this earth and to this country as pioneers as they came through and went into the wildernesses and they crossed these plains and all the mountains as in this country with their families and they lost loved ones along the way. They took great comfort in the very words that I just read to you. If it gave them comfort, it gives me comfort. It gives you comfort. It gives you great confidence in God. Man, I've heard these words spoken many times at many, many funerals. 
I've heard them spoken over my loved ones. I've spoken them over my, my uh, mom and dad when they passed away. And I did services for my mom, did services for my uh, sister-in-law, did it for my little, uh, my little grandson when he passed away. Because I could do it with all confidence. It gave me great comfort in these words that I've just read to you. You know, one thing I want to I reiterate about the fact that we're new creations in Christ about the fact that back there when, uh, uh, you know, God knew us before the foundation of the world. Do you know that, that in, in, in saying that to you, that you and I, if you're a believer in this place right here, if you're sitting there and you know that you're born again and you're going to heaven, do you realize that you are the very substance and evidence of what God hoped for? You are the living proof of what he hoped for before the foundation of the world. You're the very substance and evidence of his faith. Now, if you know that, man, it ought to give you confidence in the faith that you have. The faith that you have is his faith. It is his hope. It is his love. All that's in you is of him. I just wanted to bring that out to you before I went to the next place here. Look at point number three. Hope assures us that we have a permanent dwelling with God. You know, <laughs> sometimes I think as I'm meditating these scriptures and other scriptures, I think, God, what, how in the world are we not so excited all the time? This is so good. You are so good. No good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly. And in Christ, you're created the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How in the world are we not into the place that we're just walking on air every single day by what the Bible tells us about our relationship with God? Look at what John said. He said, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That new heaven and new earth are a part of your inheritance. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I want to tell you something. Now, that's just my thought. The reason why there's not any more sea, I believe because of the tears through the ages, the tears of the people, the crying have been enough to fill up this earth with water. Even the Jews alone for the persecution for the years and years of persecution. Back in the time when, the, when they were in, in the compounds, when Hitler had them in those death camps, for all of those years, the tears that were shed, for all of those years before that, for all those years from the time of Adam on up, all the crying that was done by his people, I think God says we've had enough water in this earth. That's just me saying that. That's just me saying that. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. According to the calculations given in the book of Revelation, the dimensions of that city is 1,500 miles square. 1,500 miles that way, 1,500 miles that way, and 1,500 miles high. That's the size of the new Jerusalem. And guess what, Bobby? There ain't no elevators. <laughs> there ain't no Ubers. There ain't no cars. There ain't no trucks. You know why? Because when you're there, you are immortal. You're immortal. All you got 
got to think is, well, I think I'll go up there on that top floor. Boom, there. I'll go up there where they got that best restaurant where the angels are operating it, you know. Got that angel food up there, angel food cake. <laughs> I tell you what, listen to me. 1,500 miles and in on either side of there, there are pearls. Their gates are made out of pearls. And those gates are several hundred yards or maybe miles wide. And the nation, you know, think about that. And that's a part of our inheritance. It's a part of what you're hoping for in this world. It's what people keep people driving forward and doing what they're doing. And, being, and some of them being martyred for Christ even as I speak. They're willing to go wherever the Holy Spirit leads them because they have this hope in their hearts. It's God's hope. It's what he purposed before the foundation of the world for you to, and I to walk in. It's given to us to serve him, not to serve you. Faith is given to you to serve him and not to be self-serving to you. If you'll ever get that in your heart, it'll change the way that you ask God for things and what you ask God about. It always has to be whatever you're asking God about and to give you, it always has to be to the place where it'll serve God. We're put in this earth, blessed to be a blessing to, to further the covenant, this covenant of peace as ambassadors for Christ. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And this next verse blesses me to no end. And God himself will do what? He'll wipe the tears out of their eyes. What will that be? The Bible says that God will wipe the tears out of your eyes. We used to wipe the tears out of our children's eyes. And I mean, man, it was like, you know, depending, depending on what they were going through, most of the time what they thought was the end of the world was nothing to me. And we would hold them and take a little, you know, handkerchief or whatever, maybe the end of your shirt, you know, and dab their eyes. We're talking about eternal God wiping the tears out of our eyes. Man, what will that be? What will that be? I'll tell you what. The Bible says he'll do it. You can look forward to it. That ought to just make, you know what? You ought to come out of this place, you know, stronger than horseradish. You ought to just come out of this thing stronger than a boatload of garlic. You ought to come out of here stepping high. Not, not in pride, but stepping high in the fact that you know these scriptures and you know what God's going to do and what lies in wait for you. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Praise God. Now we sit around and we think, you know, life is hard. Things are rough. But look at what you got waiting on you. And pastor always emphasizes the fact that our life is like a blink of light, a blink of light in this earth. It's compared to all of eternity of what I've just read to you right here. Praise God. I hope you got something out of this. I hope you put this in your heart. You go home and you read these scriptures yourself. Spend time meditating what God says and your hope 
the hope that you already have in you, you'll become more aware of it. You'll become more aware of the love of God. You'll become more of the, aware of the peace of God. And as an ambassador, you'll have more force and more drive as an ambassador for Christ because you know why? You want somebody to know what you know. You want them to have this peace and this assurance even as you have it. So as pastor always says, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? He's always asked me that. And you know what? In the time that I spend in prayer and meditation, the Lord is always speaking to my heart. And sometimes it's in correction and sometimes it's in, you know, just, uh, you know, getting me back on track and all those different things. But what's the Lord saying to you? If you want this hope within the sound of my voice, and I feel like most of you here are believers, but if you want the hope that I've been talking about, you want the peace that I've been talking about, they'll only come through the Lord Jesus Christ in union with him. If you would, go ahead and bow your heads just for a moment, just for a moment. 